0: You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. We're going to be talking about some cornerback rankings today. Uh, very sad news with the 49ers family The Niners lost uh, former player, former tight end Greg Clark uh, over the weekend. So that's something that uh, we definitely need to talk about and and cover here on the program. And we're going to open up the mailbag throughout the week and get to some of your questions. Because, Croc, can you believe it? We are almost about two weeks away from training camp getting going. I believe it's the 27th, Tuesday the 27th, officially when most training camps around the NFL get going. So two weeks from Tomorrow, training camps will be open. Croc, are you pumped for training camp? This oh, time? man.
1: I am excited. And, you know, I will, I will say this I want to give us a pat on the back because there are a lot of guys that are either regurgitating uh, content or just kind of making up random things. And I feel like we've done a good job of. Not making up random conversations. I think most of our conversations have had to pertain with, you know, one thing or another. Or, you know, Kyle Shanahan, obviously, he threw the alley-oop to us because of the uh, podcast that he was on. I think we've done a good job of just not, like, not having random episodes that don't have anything to do with anything.
0: Yeah, And, and that's tough. It's tough this time of year. That's why I wanted to bring you on, too. That'll help. You know, uh, just had another voice to the situation, especially in the slow offseason times. And I'm afraid to even go back and look at the, some of the subjects that I touched on last June and July before training camp started. Because it's slow season, and I understand how hard it is sometimes to get some content that you really feel strong about. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you, Croc, adding to that here. And we've been able to to throw out some pretty good content for the listeners out here daily, even in the dead period of the off season. You know things are going to ramp up when training camp starts and the season starts. So I'm excited for well, that.
1: Yeah, and we we do have to you know also pat ourselves on the back. How long has it been now since we've been the number one football podcast on the Locked On Network?
0: The whole time, since the since time. June, since you jumped on it. I and I just me solo. I've been kind of up and down on the list. I'd been number one at times. I'd been you know number two, number three, almost always in the top five. But really jockeying for position since you jumped on, Croc. We've been number one straight up every single week. So yeah. That's uh, pretty cool. That's pretty pat, cool. I, I wish I could I'll give you a virtual pat on the back there. I reach, reach, reach <laughs> give through you the a virtual,
1: virtual pat oh, yeah. back. There we go. Well
0: done, Croc. <laughs> That's why I brought you on. Bring on the heavy hitter here to Locked On 49ers at Eric underscore Croc is where you can find him. I am at BD Peacock. That's where some of the questions are coming from on today's show. But first, some really sad news. Greg Clark, 49 years of age. Not a lot of details yet. But Greg Clark passed away at the age of 49, former 49er, former third round draft pick 1997. Some hints about CTE. Family released a statement and that he had been suffering from CTE symptoms. Very sad thing. He had three children, three boys, and a wife, Carly, of 23 years that he leaves behind. So a really sad situation there, man. And CTE is no joke when it hits you hard. And, and we've seen it so many times now. With former NFL players. So, just a really sad story. I don't really have a lot to add, but Greg Clark, I remember him coming in uh, as a 49er and had a nice little career with the Niners, a nice little NFL career. So, sad day. Uh, Greg Clark gone too soon at the age of 49.
1: 49, that's very young. And my, my father, he passed away at the age of 48. And I just remember, you know, the closer I get to the age of 40, the more I realize yeah. how young that is to kind of, you know, lose your life. It just, just so young, and that that sucks, you know. With CTE and everything, I was, you know, obviously I was in Minnesota over the weekend, and I was speaking with a guy who played uh, college football. He's older now, and he was talking about the wear and tear on his body, and and the injuries and things, and the CTE that guys are going through, and talking about how guys should definitely get, you know, lifetime insurance. You, you know, covered by the NFL if you play a certain amount of time because he's had to get surgery on his elbow, his knees, his hip isn't working, his shoulder, all these different things guys go through. And then obviously, or not obviously, but, you know, here with Clark and, you know, the head and how, you know, important that is and, and how some of these guys, I mean, Junior Seau, obviously that was one that Jeez. was a big hit when that happened. But it's it's tough and hopefully they just continue to, uh, do research and things. It's tough because we watch games and we get tired of them throwing these flags because a guy lays on the ground too long and puts his head, mm-hmm. head on his—I mean, his hand on his head and and all those things. And we're like, man, get up, man! This is football. Like, and we complain about the big hits, but then you have incidents like this that kind of brings everything back home. And it's like, man, it is important to try to keep these guys as safe as possible.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and guys make a lot more money now than they did in the past, and you really feel for some of the old-timers that have struggled with some of these things, and Greg Clark's not even an old-timer, so that is that is scary. A guy in his 40s, 49 years old, third-round pick out of Stanford in 1997. wasn't that long ago he was playing in the NFL. Our thoughts go out to the Clark family, wife Carly and his three children. Very sad 49ers lose one of the, the forever faithful former 49ers tight end Greg Clark. When we come back, there's been a lot of questions since our episode talking about that Kyle Shanahan podcast. He was on with Sean McVay and Peter Schrager, and uh, that brought up even more questions after we talked about that episode. So uh, I've got some thoughts on that, and I, have a, I actually have a question for you, Kroc, as it pertains to the 49ers quarterback situation this offseason, now that we know for sure that they were going after Matthew Stafford, and we'll open up the mailbag to some listeners and talk about the recent list of best cornerbacks in the NFL that came down from ESPN next. Heck of a lot more to do this summer, and you want to look good while doing it? Maybe that pool party, and man, the 2019 summer bod was looking a lot better than when you're hanging out next to the pool in 2021, right? So uh, one thing that I found that can fit into any diet, if you're trying to uh, fit in a snack, get one that's high in protein, low in sugar, and that is Built Bar. They're the best tasting protein bar on the market, but they are healthy too, which is exactly what I have a feeling you're looking for. And if you're not sure exactly which flavor to try, or you haven't tried them all and you just want more flavors, build yourself a box of Built Bars, or maybe find one of their limited edition flavors that can pop up at any time. Many bars have only 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs, even good for a keto diet. And best of all, you can save 15% using promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Just go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you will get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Croc, let's start here. Let's go straight to my question for you. Because, hey, it's my question, and I'm the co-host of the show, so I get to go wherever I want. Let's go to that question (laughs) first. Uh, And I put it out there to Twitter, and I got a lot of responses, and some of them make a lot of sense. Some of them were were like, I, I still don't get it. But So we know for sure the Niners were in on Matthew Stafford, and they came up short there. Then, at some point, they decided to trade a lot to go up to number three to draft their quarterback of the future, which turned out to be Trey Lance. And, and those things are understandable. You know, Matthew Stafford's a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think most 49ers fans would have realized that and said, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I don't know exactly what would have gone on with Jimmy Garoppolo there. Did they have a trade already in place? Was there a possibility for a trade that the 49ers said no to when it comes to Jimmy G? Would they have just cut Jimmy Garoppolo and that salary if they were able to do something with Matthew Stafford? Um, so those are questions I still don't have the answer to. But the other thing that, that I really don't get here is... What was the Andy Dalton angle? Why were the 49ers interested in Andy Dalton in the offseason? Cuz Dalton's not somebody you replace Jimmy G with. You're 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 taking a step down from Jimmy G to Andy Dalton. If you consider salary, maybe that starts to make some sense. If you already know you were going to do the the quarterback move, then Andy Dalton makes some st- sense in a stopgap sort of a form. But the 49ers have said all along, we wanted to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. We went to, when we decided to make this trade, we went to ownership to make sure we could keep Jimmy Garoppolo and that could all work out because we wanted to go, um, you know, we wanna we think we can win now with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think you can say the same with Andy Dalton coming in in his first year and saying, hey, we're Super Bowl contenders with this quarterback like you could with Jimmy Garoppolo. So if Andy Dalton was a stopgap and a backup, he could have still been a stopgap and a backup, just like he is uh, in Chicago. Chicago. They could have done the same exact thing in San Francisco. You would be saving $14, $15 million, even paying Andy Dalton what he got in Chicago, which people thought was too much. That's still $15 million less than what Jimmy Garoppolo is getting right now. So I don't think that would have stopped the 49ers from doing that if they wanted to. Would they? Were they thinking of pairing Jimmy G with Andy Dalton and paying... Uh, a, a veteran backup if he came in for for less money. They had to know he wasn't going to sign for veteran minimum, but if they thought maybe $5 million instead of $10 million, would they have done that and been paying $30 million and not made the move? Would Andy Dalton be the difference in not trading up to go get another quarterback in the draft at number 3? So that's the question I have. How did Andy Dalton fit into this thing, and what would he have actually affected if they signed him? What did they expect to get out of Andy Dalton? I, it, it's, it, it's hard for me to wrap my head around that one.
1: So what I'm thinking is they – when they went into this offseason, I think they looked at every single scenario. And one of those scenarios was upgrade the backup quarterback position to where there's not this huge drop-off in the sense of talent and being able to execute an offense. So I think that's where Andy Dalton fit in. I think that was just one of the many scenarios that they laid out. It was like, look, if okay – we have to stick with, say we stick with Jimmy Garoppolo. We know what he is and we know where he can excel and all that. If we can't have another season where we lose all these games because we lose our starting quarterback due to injury. So let's either pay a lot of money for a backup quarterback like Andy Dalton, who is kind of, obviously he's not a starter, but he ha- he gives you all this experience and if he has to fill in for six games, you feel more comfortable with him than you do with CJ Beathard or a Mullins, right? So I, I think they just looked at him as just one of the mer- many scenarios that they could have taken it, and I think he would have been just if we can't if we can't trade up, we can't trade up, and we we, we can't give up everything to pay, to move up for a guy that we really want. All right, there, well, the backup plan to that could possibly be bringing in a guy like Andy Dalton to play behind
0: Jimmy Garoppolo. So it wasn't to replace Jimmy, but it was more like, OK, let's check in on Andy Dalton and see if we can sign him for two and a half million dollars. And then and I think
1: then, I think he would have been the high. And I, I think they would have known that they had to pay him more than two and a half million dollars. I think they and and John Lynn said this, too, during one press conference where like, you know, there are some teams like if you want a good backup uh, quarterback, you're going to have to pay good money for that guy. You have to figure out how that works, you know, within the rest of your uh, roster configuration. He, he, he threw that out there. And I think, I think that had to do a little bit with Andy Dalton. Now, I'm pretty sure they knew if, if we are going to bring in Andy Dalton, we're going to have to play, pay probably at least $7 million a year. And you don't want to. You would rather just not have issues with your starting quarterback being able to stay healthy. But I think looking at it, hey, we can't let our season go down the drain again because of this guy.
0: So you think it was more about backup, and when they checked in, they're like, ah, $10 million. okay, never mind, we're out, $10 million is going to be too much, and we, we can't offer him a starting job anyway, so they were out on Andy Dalton. Do you think if they ended up getting someone like Andy Dalton, though, do you think that affected the other things? Was there a domino with Andy Dalton where it's like, oh man, we didn't get Andy Dalton, and we missed out on Matthew Stafford, this is frustrating let's just give up whatever we have to do to go up to number three and get a quarterback. Do you think there was some of that, like a little bit reactionary when it came to the 49ers off season where they, they just kept getting shut down and it's like, ah, oh, this isn't working. Oh, this is not going to work. And it's like, well, look, screw it. Let's just go do what we have to do to go make this other move and get a quarterback at three.
1: I would say if I just had to bet money that, that trading everything to get a guy like Trey Lance or whoever was probably their third option. That was option C. I think option A was, Matthew Stafford or I I will just put them A and B in whatever order you want, but Matthew Stafford, Deshaun Watson. I think that they were intrigued by both guys and could possibly, you know, hey, we can get better if we have these guys, if the price is right. And I bet those were kind of their A and B. Especially if you're able, if you're willing to give up the house for Trey Lance, then I feel like you'd be willing to give up that for Deshaun Watson. Now again, he has this big contract kind of coming up, but they, you make it work. So I think that they were definitely in, in, interested in that. And then I think it was kind of, can we land a guy that we really like? If we don't, what does it look like to bring in a high price backup? And I, I would have to say that's probably how the thinking went.
0: That makes sense. That that all makes sense. There's a question here about Trey Lance. Uh, this one's from... This one is from Johnny. He says, why Trey Lance hasn't signed yet. Um, and uh, I think one of the big things is that the number three pick hasn't signed because the number two pick hasn't signed yet. Uh, Jeff Wilson has not signed yet. Not Jeff Wilson. um Zach Wilson has not signed yet with the New York Jets and he's the number two pick so I'm sure the 49ers and Trey Lance's representation are probably waiting to see what happens with the two pick uh, see if you know does he get whatever offsets there's always there's like that one negotiating point with draft picks we saw with Joey Bosa a few years ago the the Chargers are like oh we never give we never give rookies that thing I think it's the offsets in your contract where if they uh, if they get cut you still have to pay him a certain amount or you know some kind of guarantees it's something because they're slotted in now so there's not going to be those holdouts like there used to be i think crabtree was like the big holdout the 49ers had a while back they don't have that anymore so these guys are going to get signed before training camp but i think they're just trying to get everything they can for their client and here's the thing there's six first round picks that haven't signed yet four of them are all caa clients they're all with the same agency tom condon jimmy sexton you know super agents those guys trey lance uh, Rashawn Slater, Elijah Vera Tucker, and Greg Newsom are all unsigned. All four of them are represented by the same agency. And then I think the other two that aren't signed yet are Wilson that I mentioned and maybe Travis Etienne. So, um, that's what I think it's the same agency that's trying to get the most for their clients. And look, it doesn't matter until training camp starts and they're missing practices. So, still have a couple of weeks, and I'm sure they'll all be signed. And, and maybe it's like one of those 11th hour things where they signed the day before or the night before.
1: It does matter a little bit because. I want to say in OTAs or after you sign your contract, like there's a, there's a certain day where all the rookies, you, you receive your signing bonus at that time. So if you're a guy like Trey Lance right now and you haven't signed, like you're not getting paid by the Niners. So whatever traveling you're doing and you're not able to go buy that car, all those (laughs) things, everything is put on hold until you sign your contract and you're able to get that signing bonus. Now, Big time agency, they confront everything, but hell, depending on who you are, a lot of times you got to pay that back, so you don't want to just rack up this huge bill. I guess you could look, use it as like kind of like a credit card, like hey, I need this, I need that, and you get it, and eventually you pay it back. But, um, it does, it can potentially put some things on hold if that contract isn't done yet. Now, this agency, I mean, this sounds like maybe it's a plan of theirs right to like so you have all these guys and they haven't signed yet and you're looking for something very specific. I'm pretty sure they probably planned ahead of time look we're gonna give you this, and this will hold you over until you get your signing bonus and trey lance's signing bonus shoes man uh uh um Trevor Lawrence his was twenty four million I believe that was his signing bonus so trey lance's is not going to be too far off yeah the top three
0: picks make some money in the nfl that's the other thing about you know people talk about hey you get to cheap rookie quarterback on a rookie contract and number three pick starts to make money pretty quick and it's a nice little signing bonus it's not what a veteran quarterback would get if they're a star the signing bonus helps
1: though yeah right like i mean because you gotta look at the the signing bonus we're talking about you know trey Lance might be 18 million up front and maybe his full contract is I don't know, 30 million. So then now the rest of the 12 million you have to pay over the next what? 4 years, 3, you know what I'm saying? 3 right. years or whatever. So it definitely helps in the sense of how the contract is. Big money up front, but over time it helps and that's when you can add a lot of players around that young quarterback.
0: So I guess uh, Trey Lance still has to roll in the Malibu to training camp, right? Yeah, still got
1: to roll in the Malibu.
0: The Chevy Malibu. I I don't I don't like the bad mouthing the car thing, man. I like, I, I, I'm I into that. I like it. I like when guys – who was the famous player that was still driving like 10 years into his career, driving just like a, the same car he was driving in college? Who was that? It was like Alex
1: a, Smith did that. Alex Smith did he Alex drive Smith? a pickup truck for – like yeah, this random pickup truck that he had. I think he did that for a, a while. So he's one. Uh, Gio, Giovanni Bernard, the running back from the Bengals, mm-hmm. he was driving a, like a soccer mom van for a while. <laughs> So there are some guys that are like, you know, there, there are guys there are guys that don't care about yeah. the flash of things. And, you know, it's like I know we always talk about I always talk about Kendrick Bourne, but Kendrick Bourne, he drives like a uh he drives like a Rolls Royce. Not a Rolls Royce, a Bentley. He, Kendrick Bourne. dude, And he <laughs> was on an undrafted
0: free agent contract until this offseason, too.
1: <laughs> yeah. So there are some people that are like, hey, the moment I feel like I can go and get this and I can just at the very least afford it at this time, I'm going to go do it. But there are other people that are like, man, I'm tripping get from point A to point B. I'll get I'll get there in this old pickup truck or in this old soccer mom van and, and, and push that around.
0: Probably a lot more likely to have money left over at the end of your career, if that's the uh, the approach you take when you're younger. Probably probably not a bad way to go for young players in the NFL, unless you're a bonus baby and you can really afford it. But uh, And Trey Lance is going to be a bonus baby, just not quite yet until he signs that contract. But don't worry, 49ers fans, Trey Lance will sign before training camp, mark my words, before Tuesday the 27th. Trey Lance will be signed. He'll be in camp when they're having practices, doing the beat drills, whatever they do in that first day. He'll be there, and he will be competing for that quarterback spot with Jimmy Garoppolo for the 49ers. And we'll have it all covered for you every day right here on the podcast. Next, let's talk about ESPN's cornerback rankings and answer a few more Twitter questions. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Convenient self-service at RockAuto.com where you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, jumper cables, even new carpet for your classic cars, your daily driver. Get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers alike. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com all right, Croc. ESPN releasing—it's not actually their rankings. They pulled fifty executives and scouts and players and you know GMS and those types. So these aren't actually ESPN's rankings. These are folks within the league. The, this is how the league ranks these players. We'll talk about the safety rankings that just came out. We'll talk about those maybe tomorrow. Uh, but uh, and defensive backs are your specialty, Croc. So I want to go over these cornerback rankings. With you because every time these types of rankings come out, people get up in arms. But what I see a lot of times is when you really know that something's wrong, is when a fan of a different team talks about a player being ranked in the wrong spot. There are no Mm -hmm. 49ers on this list, by the way. So, number one, I'm going to go through this, and you tell me if there should be a 49er on this list of top cornerbacks in the NFL, and then if there's any other egregious mistakes by execs and scouts that were pulled by ESPN in these rankings. It starts out with Jalen Ramsey, number one, Marlon Humphrey, two, Xavier Howard, three, Stephon Gilmore, four, Tredavious White, five. What do you think about that top five so far? Those are all big names. Um, uh, big production, big money. Like uh, you probably would expect to see those names at the top of any cornerback rankings, right?
1: Yeah, and I and I always look at like what type of responsibility does this cornerback have, and I think those guys are definitely all they they all have a lot of responsibility in the sense of you know a lot of times shadowing receivers, you know, following guys around, you know, in, in covers, challenging themselves from that standpoint. So and then, Xavier and Howard obviously had. You know, the big-time year, he had double-digit you know numbers and interceptions, which is terrific. Oh, yeah. And then Stephon Gilmore, I mean, he's just coming off of a, a defensive MVP season. Uh, I think last year was a little up and down from maybe a health standpoint. I believe
0: did he look to he mis- because there was a lot of rumors about, Hey, maybe the 49ers would be involved and maybe it was like Jimmy G for Stefan Gilmore swap. Cause maybe the Niners could use that, that cornerback is Gilmore slowing down. Do you look like a guy that, that maybe wouldn't be that, that shutdown type of number one corner in the very near future?
1: No, he'd be really good. I think people are pushing that on him because they just maybe look at his age and say, well, he's turning 30 mm-hmm. or how I rode. So he has to be slowing down. And the last year, I think he dealt with some nagging injuries and whatnot. So I think that might have a lot to do with it. And I, I bet that there are Patriots fans. And as we continue to kind of go through this uh, list, but there's some Patriots fans that might even put a JC Jackson over Stefan Gilmore.
0: Let's go through the next five. J.C. Jackson's 10 on this list. So uh, after Tredavious White at five, it's Jair Alexander for the Packers at six. Marshawn Lattimore from New Orleans at seven. Denzel Ward, eight. Darius Slay, nine. And J.C. Jackson, 10. The one that stands out to me is is Darius Slay as he's still playing at that level. It feels like a little bit of a lifetime achievement award for Slay to still be listed in the top 10. But maybe I'm missing something. Maybe he's still that guy.
1: I would have J.C. Jackson probably right behind Jair Alexander. So that's just – and, and uh, Marshawn Lattimore, I, I just think he's just a little too up and down. He has his mm-hmm. moments where it, I feel like it's – when it's a big game and he feels like he needs to really get up for this moment, he gets up and he plays his ass off. But if it's not that, I feel like he has, like, these really, you know, up and down moments. So that, that's – it's really where Marshawn Lattimore – Jael Alexander at six. I think that's as low as you can have him. We've had people different locked on for uh, locked on network. Yeah, the, guys. The, these are
0: big conversations in the locked on NFL DMs. By the way, uh, with with people who have, have take umbrage with some of these rankings in different spots. So you could guess which host thought maybe Jair Alexander was a little bit too low.
1: Well, he didn't think he was a little too low. I mean, it, it was just outrageous that Jair, Jair Alexander <laughs> is at six. And my thing is, when you look at the guys ahead of him, I could I could at the very least make a case for each guy. And I feel like if if you can make a case for each guy that's ahead of him, then I'm not saying that he, you know, being yeah. at six is right, but I don't think it's wrong, if that makes sense. Like if, if, if somebody had Jair Alexander at four or even three or whatever, I'd be like, yeah, man, I think he's that talented of a guy. You have him at six? said say, yeah. If you have him at seven, I'm like, oh, no, there's not seven corners in the NFL better than Jair Alexander. So I like him at six or or I just like him there in, that, in the mix of all that think you can make a case for all these other guys. Again, Jalen Ramsey, Marlon Humphrey, Xavier Howard, Stephon Gilmore, Travis White. You can make a case for all those guys yeah. that play and have these really big notable moments throughout the year. So Jair Alexander, Packers definitely put a whole lot on his plate. He's clearly their best def- defender or at least defensive back. Um, they, Um, I remember watching him play outside, playing the slot. I mean, he had a huge game a couple years ago against – uh Brandon Cooks where he was just following him around and just being this past I love the way he plays his tenacity his attitude and all those things wish the 49ers had a cornerback like that on their roster right now but um him at six I, I, I get to, I, I'm, it's not it's not terrible I, I think it's fine
0: so no 49ers in the top 10 and not even in the honorable mentions here are some other corners that receive votes in the honorable mentions of those scouts and execs and players that were pulled in this Marcus Peters Carlton Davis William Jackson III, Kyle Fuller, Byron Jones, James Bradbury. Croc. was Jason Verrett snubbed on this list, not even receiving votes, not even in the honorable mentions?
1: Yeah, that's a little tough, man. I mean, Verrett was so good. But sometimes, you know, with these things, you got to see. if it, 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 when, It's kind of like the all-pro voting, right, where it's like they got to see it for multiple years. It's
0: a year I think late. with Jason yeah.
1: Verrett, I, I think they have to make sure, like, is that real? Like, is that really him? And I think if he follows up with, even if it's the exact same as it was last year, I do think that there's a chance you see him in a top 10. And then I don't know if this is projecting moving forward, but then that's a tough thing as well. Whereas like, well, even if he does have a terrific year this year, will he be, continue, be, will he be considered a top 10 corner going into next season? Because, well, he's a year older now. You know, yeah, is he going <laughs> to continue to stay healthy. He's dealt with so many injuries and things like that. Those questions still might pop up that might leave him off of this kind of list. But I think even more so than Jason Red being snubbed, which he 100% should have at the very least been honorable mention. But Carlton Davis and James Bradbury, they were really, really good, good last year. They were really good. And that, that Giants defense, the defense was good. The offense was sucked. The offense sucked. It was terrible. They turned the ball over a ton. But th- that defense played well. And I thought Bradbury was one of the leaders in that whole thing. I thought he played ter- tremendous uh, all year. So, And it's really tough when your offense continues to get the ball away and you're always on the field. And to still kind of limit getting beat, I thought Bradbury did a really good job. So him and Carlton Davis, was they put a lot on his plate. They had him follow guys, shallow guys, play press, play off, had him playing in his base, playing zone. Then it's like, hey, go hold – Uh, uh, Michael Thomas to zero catches in the game and he'd do things like that. So Carlton Davis, he might've got snubbed because they put a lot on his shoulders.
0: There are some names we're going to see on that list next year that maybe deserve it now. Maybe it's a year late with some of those things. Uh, I want to go to Francisco talking about defensive backs. He's in reference to our podcast from last week where we broke down... Rookie fifth round safety, Talanoa Hufanga. He said number 29, gonna ball, period, when he gets the chance. When he first said that, I was like, what? Uh, did we say something about Jakowski Tart? What's he talking about? I forgot. T- tart changed his number, right? To number 26, I think. Mm-hmm. And so the rookie's actually wearing 29 in training camp, Talanoa Hufanga. That's gonna be hard for me to get used to. I-, I hate when that happens because it just messes with my mind. I'm gonna see a different safety wearing 29, and I'm gonna think it's Tart, and then I'm gonna see his hair sticking out the back and be like, wait a second, that's not Tart. That's Hufanga. Uh, so t- what do you think? Talano Hufanga. There's a few folks that got at us and thought, you know what? Maybe maybe we're a little bit too low on Hufanga. Maybe we are not giving him enough credit for instincts for the way he plays. It's going to make up for some of his athletic limitations.
1: Yeah, I-, I got some of those messages as well. One guy even said, hey, well, Chris Borland... Didn't test extremely well, but he was a baller when he did play. And my pushback on that would be he didn't test well, like, in the 40, but he was big. He fit being a linebacker. Like, it was clear, like, this guy built like a linebacker. He can play linebacker. Our biggest pushback with Hufanga is we don't know where he's going to play based on his the, the size. Is like, Is he what he was at USC from a size standpoint, which was more 215? Is he going to play at 200, which he weighed in at his pro day? Is he going to be a linebacker? Is he going to be a safety? We like Those are a lot of questions that we have. We we don't even know the answer to those things. So I think that's a lot of the uncertainty with Hufunga. And just watching his film, and maybe Borland had terrific film, but, hey, you ran a 4-8, so we can't draft you high or whatever. You're going to be a third or fourth-round pick. Hufunga, on film it jumped out to me that he's always a step late with a lot of stuff. Now, you'll see the play. Where he he'll make play again. I talked about. I think the first thing I mentioned was that he had a high motor, and I love that about him. And I do think that allows him to make plays at times. But I don't just watch one play. I and whether it's good or bad, I watch a full sixty plays or whatever in that game. So the sixty games, the sixty plays tell tells me more about who somebody is than the one play that that person makes. And when you watch it over that time, there's a lot of inconsistencies from an athletic standpoint.
0: Right or the workout numbers, like I'm going to trust the tape and what I see there with the movement skills more so even than the workout numbers, and those things for Hufanga kind of matched up. It was like, yeah, okay, the workout numbers match kind of what I saw with him. And, and with Chris Borland, he was he was uh, he he had some explosion out of his stance and going and making tackles. Like you saw it on film, and he he played that way. But he was a linebacker. He was downhill, and it wasn't that long ago. But it's kind of a different era, like. Chris Borland, we weren't talking about him as what he can do in coverage either. So I think that's the big difference there, and that's what we're talking about with Ufongo. I was like, okay, well, look, some instincts there. I think he can play in the box. I like the way he plays with his hair on fire. I like the motor, but you got to cover if you're a safety in the NFL. And that's the big question. So that's where we're at. And if Chris Borland came out in this draft, we'd probably be looking at Chris Borland and be like, okay, I like the way he um, he defends the run, but can he cover? Because the linebackers have to cover too, right? So that's kind of the difference between someone like Chris Borland and Hufanga now.
1: Yeah. and So yeah, Hufanga, it's not like we don't like him. And maybe it comes off like yeah. that when you're giving uh, analysis that maybe doesn't fit the narrative of what people want to believe he is. But there is talent there. Like I'm, I'm, I would never say that somebody is gonna not be good right. in the NFL. I, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to project what he is. And it's really hard because we have no idea where he's going to play, how he's going to play and how he fits within that, because he struggled with a lot of those things, even in college. Yeah.
0: And there's some things to like about him and you're rooting for him and think he could be good. Maybe he could make up for some of those athletic limitations. Maybe that he got lighter. Maybe that four, six will play up more so than what we saw on tape. Maybe he was moving at a four, seven level when we were watching him on tape, cause he was a little bit bigger, maybe he slimmed down to work out and maybe that'll be enough. And, and that'll be the difference for him. But I like the way he plays, not going to say that he can't be a, a great safety for the 49ers. Maybe he's their next fifth round steal. Absolutely. I love the way he plays and you're, you're definitely not going to say a guy can't when he plays like that. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch him. So we'll see how he turns out. Um, last one really quick here, Croc. Oh, by the way, can folks find that extended film review? Is it on Patreon? Is that where they can find it? Of uh, Hufanga? Oh no, you get you can find it on a YouTube channel. Okay. And I had a linebacker guy,
1: my guy, uh, come in, and he watched the film with, with with me, and yeah, we broke it down, and we were we were we went pretty in depth with that, and just kind of going over plays and rewinding it and going forward, and so you can really see a lot of where he potentially lacked a little bit from a movement skill standpoint, how it's like, oh, just a step late. But also you'll see some things that you do like as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's definitely a lot to like with Fonga too. So he is a fifth round pick. So it's not like uh uh we, we dislike the player at all so if if it comes off that way. So you can go find that on Croc Talk TV and you can find uh, Crocker's breakdown of Hufanga if you want to get a little bit deeper in that and see why and see some of the things he saw on film from him. Last one here this is from P Trooper87 on Twitter. Which defensive back will rise and which will fall in camp? Rookies or undrafted free agents? Is there any favorites, Croc, that you see among the 49ers, young DBs that you're like, I think this guy's going to hit? Maybe this guy's on the cusp of, of potentially getting cut.
1: I have a hard time of putting, like, a negative vibe on the player. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say, like, who I feel like will get cut and whatnot. But I'll say a guy I'm really looking forward to seeing play. And that's uh, Diamador Lenore. Just because I know he was pushed as a – oh, he's going to be a nickel, even though he played all outside at Oregon. I think he's scrappy. I think he has some, you know, solid footwork. But his film was so up and down from – 2019, where I was like, ah. Uh. Then 2020, I'm like, oh, I really like this. What I'm seeing right here, and I want to find out exactly who he is. So, he's a guy who's very intriguing to me, just you know, all, all, all around from all aspects. So, obviously, you know, fifth round pick, I believe. I'm, and then we saw the play that went viral and potentially got to 49ers fine. So, I'm, I'm excited to see <laughs> what he does and if he takes advantage of maybe an opportunity to, to take over a role, uh, you know, depending on how Mosley looks in free agency or, I mean, in, uh, in training camp.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the, the safety rankings. I wonder if the 49ers might have gotten snubbed on that national list as well. Tomorrow, some more of your questions, whatever else is going on with the 49ers, we've got you covered daily, getting ready for training camps, coming up in a couple weeks. Be back tomorrow. Eric Crocker and Brian Peacock right here, Locked On 49ers.